Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Hey everybody, we're back. We're back. Welcome to Life is Hard Podcast. Sorry we're not really regular. I think we probably need more fiber in our diet. But we're trying. We are. Oh, yes. We're trying to get out there and be on a very regular cycle. So Uh, we can give a shit better. Exactly. Speaking of which, there may be some turmoil (laughs) in the future, so I want everybody to know that if you happen to enjoy this podcast and you want to find us, and for some reason you're not finding us somewhere, be sure to check our website. We still have our website, lifeishardpodcast.com. That's lifeishardpodcast.com, no hyphens, just all one string of characters. L-I-F-E-I-S-H-A-R-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot C-O-M. Yes, and that is where we will always have something to point you to where we are. If we're not publishing there, we'll say we're publishing somewhere else or whatever. Um, Anyway, so just so you know, uh, we're keeping our website, even though we do publish on right now on Tin Can Media. We could publish somewhere else in the future, or we might publish on the website. But if you check our website, we will definitely have instructions for how to find us. Or we might be in multiple places. That would be the best. Oh, what yeah, if Life yeah. is Hard podcasts were everywhere? Everywhere. Oh, we want to make this easier for you to find us. We want to make sure that we have a billion listeners in the next three weeks. But I doubt that's going to happen. So I've been reading these books lately. Um, the last if the population continues to grow, we can make a billion listeners because eventually we'll have like eight. That'll only be like ten percent of the world population. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But that's still a lot to ask to get ten percent of the world population. I think even well, Netflix would be like, happy. What if it's like point one percent? I'd take that. I'm talking about a lot, billions are a lot large numbers. I would. Oh I would. yeah, I'd take it. I'm just saying it'd be more realistic if it were like point one or point zero zero one percent of the population. Okay, realism is not really going to be in the equation tonight. First of okay. all, I've read three of the Martian Chronicles books in order to refresh my memory on what Edgar Rice Burroughs originally planned and the world that he created before I watched the movie, which was John Carter of Mars, and was like totally disappointed in the movie. I was like, there's something wrong with this. Well, that's, I mean, we've had this discussion, I think, before, but this is why you should never, ever, ever, ever read a book. I read the books before movies even existed. They didn't no, have film or you know anything when I was reading those books. The first Martian Chronicles book was well, published in nineteen twelve. Right. Yeah, and I read it as soon as it hit the bookstores. You were only a hundred and ten thousand years old at that point. Exactly. I was very young. But when that hit the bookstores, I read it, and then the second one came out in nineteen sixteen, and I was dying to read that one. In fact, is they kind of each their their cliffhangers. But the important point, though, is that the movie really doesn't follow the books at all. I mean, it has the same characters and some of the same creatures and stuff, but they just totally took liberties with the story. And I don't think it was necessary for them to take some of the liberties that they did, but they did, and I'm just really disappointed. Um, How old is this movie? Oh, I don't remember. It's probably less than 10 years. It's I think it's about five years old. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a big hit. People weren't really excited about it. And it, I, it's kind of funny because the people that wanted to see it were people like me who had read the books when they were kids, right? And were like, oh, cool, they finally made a movie out of this. You know, I went to see the movie and went, oh, fuck, they just totally messed that up. 
Yeah, that's how everybody feels, though, after they read a book and go to the movies to watch the movie. It's nothing like the book. The book was so much better. And I keep telling people that's why you should never read books, because you're ruining the movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's just better to read the books and ignore the movies. Well, you could do that, but I mean, you know, like movies are so much more efficient than books. Well, that's true, but I can spread You're the books scientist. out. I mean, I've read three books this past week. I could read, I think there's like ten more left um, in in the whole series. Edgar, well, anyway, we're, we're digressing a little bit, too. You wanted yeah, well, to uh, I was gonna, educate me about Mars. Well, if you haven't seen the movie and you haven't read the books, it's going to be hard to really get this all into five minutes. But I will say that, that Edgar Rice Burroughs made an interesting world with some interesting things and he was relatively consistent in that mars has less gravity so creatures tended to be taller larger you know um because that's what happens when you have less gravity you know the gravity sort of limits how tall we get and how big things can be and um and also the fact that mars uh, was an ancient civilization one of the cool things about it is mars uh the civilization of mars is really old um, possibly older than our civilization on Earth. But at some point in their history, the oceans had dried up, which had changed everything. And it also made resources really highly constrained. So it, basically the entire planet, um, it, all the people are sort of all warring people. Like everything's everybody's at war either with each other or with other people on the planet because, because it's like they have to kill people. You know, it just, it's gotten to the point where when someone's born, someone must die. And by the way, people live a really long time. If they live out their natural lives, they live like a thousand years. Um, so That's almost as much as you. Exactly. Well, I don't have to live that long. I mean, I just read the book in 1912, I'm just saying. But the thing is, though, that, that if everybody lived out their natural lives, they wouldn't be able to feed everybody, or they wouldn't be able to have any kids. Um, so it's Because there would be too many people. Well, they wouldn't be able to support him, right? So I just think it's interesting. I mean, Edgar Rice Burroughs is not like a scientist or anything, but it's interesting. Some of the things that he proposed in the book and some of the things that happened in the book are, well, first of all, they're kind of ahead of their time. Like the way the Martians watered their gardens was with underground uh, sprinkler or uh, what do they call them, drip lines or whatever. I mean, so we do. This is like a fairly recent development in gardening. They're like, oh, don't pour don't pour water on the ground because a lot of it evaporates. If you put these little lines underground and little, they just leak into the ground and it feeds the roots of the plants that are putting water right. on the surface where it can evaporate. So, so Edgar Rice Burroughs is writing about this in 1912. And he's also writing about what happens when you have like a runaway greenhouse effect and the oceans evaporate and you have nothing to feed the people with. So, yeah, we, um, I don't know that there are any parallels for Earth's future but we have this uh you know i'm always bitching about wall street right but we have this idea that that everything must continue to grow like every every government wants to grow their population because a bigger population means more more power religions want their people to be fruitful and multiply because if a religion has more people then it has more power right it's all about Right. numbers and power and growth and more growth and wall street's telling companies like recently netflix was in the news netflix has been getting lots of emmys they've huge popularity in the in the in the uh the the episodic series they make and you know 
everybody loves them and they you know they loyal followers but they're not increasing their subscribership because things like hulu and other things are competing and there just aren't i mean let's face it there's only so many people who are going to subscribe to these services uh but wall street is complaining and their stock is diving because they're like oh you're not growing your subscribership and I just think this is crazy because if you They're have still a, making money hand over fist. Right, exactly. They have a profitable business model. So Right, but they're just not making they're not, more money hand over they're fist. They're not growing their revenue stream. This is this is this crazy idea we have. And like I said, it isn't even just Wall Street. I mean you've got states, you know, as in states as states of our USA Union who wanna get like more Minnesota. people. Yeah, Minnesota. Oh my gosh, they've been. Oh, do you want to go there, really? That poor kid, that poor thirteen-year-old who's got a hot dog stand. Well, I was just saying Minnesota because you're from there, but we can talk about the thirteen-year-old. Let's see how his business model works. If he well, can he wants to grow, to grow. He's trying to grow his business too. I mean, he's had this Everybody hot dog business wants for. To grow. Yeah, he's had this hot dog business for two years. Now I could be mistaken. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that there was something in the news that brought this guy to the forefront of the news recently where someone called the police on him for having an unlicensed hot dog stand. But I could be wrong because it might have been somebody else with an unlicensed lemonade stand or something. But this this stuff's been going on, right? You know, people. But this kid, anyway, who's had this hot dog stand for a while, was it the old-fashioned hot dogs? It's kind of funny when... <laughs> he's He's 13 years old, and his hot dog stand is called... Mr. Faulkner's old-fashioned hot dogs. Exactly. He's like, these hot dogs are like they were when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Back when I was 10, three years ago. But So he's going to take his uh, earnings from the summer and buy some snazzy clothes and a food cart so he can grow his business. No, snazzier clothes. Snazzier clothes, okay. The clothes he has are already snazzy. These are snazzier. Right, right. But then he wants that food cart so he can grow his business. Right. Because he's already on board. Because we got to keep growing, 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 growing. won't be long and he'll have an IPO. It's a a symptom of this, what do we call it, Keynesian economics or whatever, where we go through the boom and bust cycles where it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and then collapses. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and yeah, grows and, and then collapses. And you always have a certain amount of inflation. So basically, and, as your as your stock is growing, uh, increasing in value, that value is devalued. So you're basically at a, almost a standstill. I mean, the, the goal is for your investments to outpace inflation, but oftentimes, you know, they don't. Or or you think you're making four to seven percent, but you're really making three because inflation is taking away some of it right and by the way i really think they measure inflation all wrong because if you look at the inflation index they're like oh yeah we have almost flat inflation or two percent inflation it's like what are you looking at because the stuff that i buy i'm not saying that i buy everything and but their inflation index includes things like washing machines and computers which you know they don't really go up because it's one of those things right but food, the things that you have to buy, food, rent, um, insurance, all those things are going up way more than 2% a year. Right. So, yeah. I think it's just an excuse to – it's all math tricks, basically. I mean, the the growth, the inflation, the deflation, the, the cost of living adjustments or whatever, they're all math tricks and 
you don't want to get me started because they're all math tricks to make rich people richer and poor people poor. Well, they're definitely designed to hold people who are in Social Security or whatever back because if you're getting a cost of living increase and you're and they, they're saying that inflation is only 2%, you're going to need a 2% increase. Even though your health care costs just doubled in the last two years, you know, right. it's it's insane what healthcare is doing. I don't even like to factor that in because that's that's like half of a lot of people's budget. And well, I mean, we have to factor it in. It's huge. But if you start talking about that, then we're talking inflation of like thirty percent. Right. It's it's insane. And uh, and again, if you're super rich and you spend most of your money on new cars and new toys, then yeah, your inflation is probably two percent because the stuff you're buying you know cars toys whatever isn't going up that well now that the tariffs just hit and all that stuff everything's going up 20 percent. but that's a whole nother thing but the um the the stuff that really matters stuff that like we talk about poor people have to buy or or middle class or everybody that's actually working for a living and barely getting by you know rent is ridiculous i i've heard see i haven't rented in a long time and when people tell me what they pay for rent i'm like my jaw hits the floor it's like holy shit, really? I'm like, what are you renting? A you know six bedroom condo? And they're like, no, it's like a one bedroom, you know, whatever. I'm like, Jesus. And it's very touchy too about where it is. Well, sure, sure, it matters where it is. But the but the point is that comparing apples to apples, like I'm talking like renting in Raleigh where I used to live. Right. Well, you know? I'm saying you know even in the even in the what you would consider the cheap areas is expensive and then you go try to do raleigh or even worse san francisco or dc oh yeah or those things are crazy insane um, yeah. yeah off the charts yeah i first encountered this when i was working in santa fe new mexico and found out what the rent was there but that was back in 1994 the rents there at that time were like 1200 bucks for a studio apartment i can't even imagine what they'd be today but my original point, though, is that these things are going up every year. I mean, not by 2%, not by 5%. We're talking 10%. And then, you know, food, If I haven't been measuring it, but I pay attention to what things cost. And things just keep going up and up and up and up because you have to buy it. I mean, <laughs> what choice do you have? Right. And those companies, by the way, are answering to Wall Street who wants them to increase their revenues by 10% every year. So sure, they're raising their their prices and whatever, and uh, and you know you have to pay for it out of your by the way two percent inflation. Uh, you're lucky if you get a raise at all. Sorry, did I go off on a tangent there? <laughs> no, you're perfectly good. I, um, I the poor kid with the hot dog. I'm just stand. depressed into silence. You're you're absolutely right. We're all doomed. That poor kid Life with the hot hard. dog stand, though, he's gonna. He's going to grow his hot dog business to where he wants to get investors, and he's going to have an initial initial stock offering, and then uh, I guess it's an initial public offering, an IPO, right. and, and he's going to sell stock, and he's going to uh, then be on, at the whims of Wall Street, who will force him to do 10% annual growth, and eventually his hot dogs will no longer be old-fashioned beef hot dogs. They'll be some kind of... Uh, uh, rendered uh, turkey, something nobody knows quite what it is. It's probably part rat, part you know, right. part uh, roadkill, and uh, and people will be like, these hot dogs aren't as good as they used to be. And then you'll start losing business, and pretty soon, and the next 
that another 13-year-old will come along and sell real old-fashioned hot dogs, and this guy will go out of business. And he'll be like, I was doing so well. I'd expanded to three states, and I had 50 food carts, and I had investors. Oh, it's and, a cycle of life, isn't it? Yeah. But it's all because growing too fast or, or trying to just grow for the sake of growth. That's Yeah, or growing continuously. That's what it is. It's yeah. like you can... You just can't keep growing and 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 growing. I mean, there's there's nowhere to go eventually. If it was up to me, I would be subscribing for negative population growth worldwide. And I would be saying... So you're killing people. No, no. Just people die and there'd be fewer people to replace them. I would be asking people to have fewer children. Um I might be doing something like what China did, which I know that was kind of extreme, the one-child policy, but it wasn't stupid. China would not be viable today if they had not had that one-child policy um, because they were already unable to feed their population. Their population was growing by leaps and bounds. They've managed to get their population under control. They may not need the one-child policy anymore, but they have to manage growth. And, And this is the thing. I mean... I hate to give kudos to China, but at least they were smart enough to go, hey, this is not sustainable. And Yeah, well, I mean, and that law is certainly controversial, I think. It was draconian, but it was necessary. Ooh, draconian. Yeah, yeah, it was one of them inexplicable things. Like draconian as in Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter? I'm sorry, that's inexplicable again. I don't know anything about oh, Harry Potter. Oh, no. You didn't read the books? <laughs> Are you kidding? Seriously? Why not? They're books. Do you know They're me? They're books that were eventually made into movies. I hardly ever read fiction, for starters. Very seldom. What are you talking about? You're just talking about Martian I things. went and reread those from my childhood just to refresh my and, memory. But yeah, that And would... the other day we were talking about the... Uh, the Handmaid Tale yes, lady. That was one. Of, that's one of my exceptions. I happen to. Uh, I happen to love. Um, oh gosh, now I know her name. Damn it! I suck with names. Everybody should know that by now. But she is exactly. She. Uh, it'll come to me. Anyway, um, I love her book. She did Oryx and Crake, uh, right? The trilogy and and her stuff's really good. But but see, I fiction. haven't. I finished Martian those stuff, fiction. years. Harry Potter fiction. Right up your alley. I finished those years ago, and I, like I said, I very seldom uh, get into fiction because I just have so much reading to do, uh, nonfiction stuff that I don't have time for it, or just don't. Which have, is why you go see the movies because it's much more. Efficient. And I do actually, I do, but I'm never well, gonna. I'm never gonna suggest that you shouldn't read the book because the books are oftentimes uh, just more detailed and, and they get they give you more insights. I think it's yeah, but you could still get my Harry Potter reference if you had seen the movie. And I haven't seen the movies because I don't like Harry Potter. Look, you're missing. It's a child. You're missing out. Yeah, well, sorry. It's not. It's an allegory, just like all these other things you're talking about. It's just like allegory. the Martian thing. Yeah, well, just like I wouldn't have watched John Carter of Mars except that I had read the books when I was a kid and thought, "Oh, this will be fun. I want to see what they do with this." And then I was totally disappointed so well you would not be disappointed in harry potter because you have no books that you've read to compare it to 
Oh no! I I thought Harry Potter was good. All the people that read the books complain that they're not as good as the books. I've seen enough bits from the Harry Potter movies to know that I'm just not interested. Sorry. All right, fine. Yeah, sorry to just ruin that. But anyway, you totally sidetracked my thought there. I don't remember exactly. That's my job. Mm. Excuse me, but it is it is safe (laughs) to say. Sorry, (laughs) I think I ate sometime a couple hours ago, and now I'm kidding yeah um but it's safe to say that life is hard whether you read the book or watch the movie it doesn't change the fact oh yeah we should have a life is hard book oh yeah and a movie i think and, oh that's a great idea we should a, publish a book it can be complete fiction and it'll be excellent and then we'll make a movie that'll totally be nothing like the book and piss everybody off there just was, like they deserve for having read the book first there was a life is hard book it was called the road less traveled that's where i sort of it actually starts out with life is difficult but i just shortened it a little bit once upon a time life was easy margaret atwood then then came Doug and rob came along then came margaret atwood um no i i don't think we started this i really don't i think life was harder before this is one of the things that annoys me about modern people they bitch and complain about how hard their life is. They don't even know what hard is. I mean, I think we talked about this well, in the podcast relative. before. Sure, it's relative. But, you know, at one time, people used to get up at the crack of dawn and, and you know, go out and, and fetch water to bring into the house, to put on the stove, to heat up so that they could, you know, wash things. And they'd, they'd go out and milk the cows and you know, tend to their crops or whatever, and basically they'd come in for lunch, they'd go back out and work until dinner time, they'd come in and eat, and they'd go back out and milk the cows again and and maybe get to retire when it was getting dark. The only day they had to do anything was Sunday, and they would kick up their heels and have a good time after church, right? And this this was the life, because they worked seven, six, seven days a week nonstop. Right, but if everybody's doing that, and you don't know any different then i mean yeah i mean life is hard in a sense but also life is just life you know but if you're doing that six days a week and going to the well and picking up the water and milking the cows and da 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 and across the street you know dude is his sitting co- back in his lounge chair and he's got his harem that are bringing him water and milking well, his cows for him or worse, and yeah, he's, he's got- fucking eating grapes now your life is hard because that guy's life is not. Worse yet, the guy across the street doesn't have to put wood on his fire to keep his house warm. He just sets the thermostat. He turns on a faucet to get water. He doesn't haul water at all. He sits down in a lounge chair with a remote control, doesn't have to get out of his chair to change the channel on the television, and he's still whining about how hard it is to find the remote. And we just complain about every fucking thing, even though... Our lives are really dramatically easy. We have more recreational time than we've ever had, which is, I think, one of the reasons why people complain, because they have all this time on their hands. Yeah, well, now we're, yeah, we're going to disagree, see, because I don't think we have near enough time on our hands. I read a uh, comment on a board somewhere uh, where somebody said something, and the, and the retort was like, there's 180-some hours in a week, and you only work for 40 you know what more do you want which is complete bullshit in my estimation because uh you know if you count 
all the hours in a week. First of all, you're going to spend eight hours a day asleep, right? So there went two-thirds of those hours. Now you're down to like 120, right? And if you actually work 40 hours a week, you're spending at least a half an hour getting ready for work. You're spending a half an hour driving to work. You're spending, you know, money shopping for clothes to wear to work, you know, there's much, much, much more of your time that is work-centered than it is recreational-centered by far, you know. And then you got to count the things that you have to do uh, to maintain not only work but normal life, such as wash dishes. Well, that's and the big one. That's eat, the big one. Because if you, you know, if you have a regular laundry. job where you work forty hours a week, that means that forty hours is committed, and you have to come home after work and deal with everything else. However, the grass, I'm, I'm still going to tell still, you that we still have it easy. However, sure, you, compared to the old days, absolutely. I'm just talking about you know. You may get the, your wish though, because we are we are automating more and more stuff. And uh, but see, we also have to stop growing the damn population because one of the reasons we're losing ground on this is because we have to produce more food for more people. And if you think about a hospital, a hospital couldn't have function or couldn't function today without computers. Could not because they've got too much stuff to, to keep track of, and, and the computers are all networked. So you put something in at this station, and the, the person down there at the end of the hall, or the next floor down, or three floors down can see it. All these things are automated. They've got they've got you know automated monitoring systems. They don't have to have somebody watching the silly machines. Well, they have the machines to begin with. But the point I'm trying to make is that a modern hospital could not function without electricity, with all of the gadgets that they have to, to automate stuff. However. They also serve a lot more people than the hospital before them did, and they have to because the populations keep increasing and the population density in these cities keeps increasing, and so these hospitals are stuck serving more people. And so instead of giving people more time off, they're just making one person handle more patients. And we need to get to where our automation is actually creating an improvement because instead of saying, oh, we're going to automate this because we can't possibly keep up with the load if we don't, and we're not going to hire any more people. We're just going to create more automation. And we might even lay somebody off and make this poor person that's left handle like 60 patients a day where they used to handle 10 we used to have five people. Um, and so instead of getting the gains of it, we're letting the companies reap the rewards of it. So they automate something, and you'd think, oh, so the employees now can work 30 hours a week? No, they just lay two employees off, make the other guy work 50 hours a week. and, and Sure. And, well, first of all, it looks better on their bottom line. And secondly, we seem to have this mindset. I've used uh, this analogy before. But, you know, in the old days, uh, okay, there's 10 people uh, in this little microcosm and there's a field where they grow the crops and it takes all 10 people to work the field all the time to provide enough food to feed all 10 of them so everybody has to work so eventually technology comes in and now all of a sudden one guy can you know grow yeah grow enough food for all 10 people can grow enough food for all 10 people but you know what happens that one guy says bullshit why should i work when all you fuckers can't you know don't have to lift a finger and you're supposed to get the food that i worked hard to provide for you you know fuck you well not to be fair if that if that farmer has a tractor somebody had to build that tractor Okay, but I'm just saying, as an example, what we have yeah. to get past that mindset. That's to me, it's bigger than you know the the corporation trying to get by and make profit, or the fact that the population is growing. It's the mindset of 
other people to relax and say that having people not work is a worthy goal. And while I still think we're completely backwards that we keep trying to lower unemployment, lower unemployment. We want everybody to work. We want to create jobs. We don't need to create jobs. Well, we, we do until need- there's an alternative to employment. As long as employment's the only way you can feed your family, then you need to lower unemployment if you had an that's alternative. That's my point. To that. And and so that's what perpetuates this thing about, you know, making up work. We just basically make work for each other so that you don't, you know, get paid to not do anything because God forbid you would get paid to not do anything. You know, it goes back to universal basic income, other stuff we've talked about before, but we just have this well, I don't think- this roadblock when it comes to allowing people to get paid to you know, just for existing. <clears throat> I don't think we should be talking about paying people for not doing anything. I think we should be talking about shortening the work week. We should simply be spreading the load out because it isn't fair if you got one person working 60 hours a week and other people sitting around doing nothing because the work- person working 60 hours a week is getting the work done. That's not any kind of an equitable situation. You might think it's wonderful, but that guy working 60 hours a week, he's not so happy. Well, sure, but if the person working zero hours a week is not getting paid at all, and the person working 60 hours a week is getting paid 40 hours a week plus 20 hours of overtime. But we just said the person that's not working is now getting paid. What I'm saying is we have to spread the load. We have to, instead of saying, oh, we're going to have some people sitting around getting paid for nothing, and we have some people working, we need to say, hey, the work week is now 20 hours. Sure. If everybody's if everybody's enjoying the spoils of the work, then everybody could share the work. I get that. Yeah, 20 hours a week. I mean, what the hell would be so bad about that? We'd have It wouldn't, but in order to actually make a work week 20 hours long, you're going to have to double wages. Oh, but see, that shouldn't matter because the the work's getting done. That's, I agree. With that's you. the point I of totally automation is we're we're able that farmer is able to feed 100 people. And so we do not need as many farmers, and we've been able to do things that would have been considered unnecessary or completely silly 200 years ago. People have been like, why do you need this thing? Because, you know, we're busy doing important shit, right? Now it's like, hey, we got somebody over there who's making enough food for 100 of us, so the rest of us can do something more interesting. And and this is great, but at the same time, like you said, sometimes we're just making work just to keep people busy. I mean, it's like, okay, so you have an iPhone, and we're going to make sure that iPhone is obsolete in two years, so you have to buy another one, which is completely unnecessary because the one you had was perfectly fine. We're actually going to design an obsolescence so that you have to buy another one because we're going to keep all these people working, making new iPhones, and we're going to keep burying the rest of them in a landfill. Right. Well, I mean, that's part of keeping people working, but that's also more goes back to your growth yeah. thing where where those shareholders or the, the Wall Street or whoever is you know, promoting growth, 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 or demanding, I guess, growth, 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 well, and they got to keep turning it over. It's all tied together. I mean, once we, yeah. Once yeah. we automate things to the point where you know, the machines are doing the work, and we can basically just manage the machines. I mean, there's always going to be people involved. People are still going to have to work a little bit, but, but we won't have as much work to do. But the, it's not a question of how much work we have to do. It's a question of whether or not the work is getting done, whether or not there's enough food for everybody to eat, whether or not the lights stay on, the garbage gets picked up. As long as that stuff's happening, as long as everything is being taken care of, then why do people have to work at all? Um, oh, I, I agree with at you. At the now same time... to the choir again. Yeah, at the same time... I think the only way that's going to be possible is that people 
sort of come down to earth. I mean, you know, that, and realize that we can't just keep. Uh, we're overrunning the planet. I mean, essentially, it, it it may not be obvious right now. People might just call me a, you know, a, like an alarmist. But you're an alarmist. Thank you. The the thing is that you can argue with me all day long about how long it's going to take. But the bottom line is, if we continue on this path of we must continue to grow things and grow things and grow things, we will run out of resources. Period. We will basically get to the point where if we don't kill each other, we won't have anything to eat. And that's not the situation we want to be in. So we need to get smart. And, and I mean, all, all this stuff comes into play. All this stuff. All the, you know, the, how the economy is managed and, and how we you know, distribute work and all these other things all come into play. We just need to get smart. People have not, in my opinion, have, have not shown any kind of ingenuity or self-sacrifice or anything in order, in order to make things better so that they're sustainable. Anyway, it's, it's a sad state of affairs as far as I'm concerned. And on that note... Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse.